Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made by Things, this is The Command Z Show. And we're back with another riveting episode of The Command Z Show. Today, I'm sorry, <laughs> so, uh, I can't get through that without laughing every single time. It's okay. I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm supposed to have like this really, really solid intro at this point. We're like 55 episodes in, I want to say. so many in. So many. There is so many. I have my eyes set to 100, though. I'm like, if we can, if we can have a podcast with 100 episodes, that's, to me, I'm like, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty legit. We gotta have know? a celebration then. We have like oh, a no. whole party. Yeah. Speaking of of party and celebration, today's episode is a very special one. We have a couple guests today from Make Create Club, um, which if you don't know about Make Create Club, it is a creative community that we are at the moment uh, online only, but we have little events. We try to do them every week. Um, Just a fun place to be able to, I don't know, kind of be around other creative people, especially for those of us that are kind of stuck at home kind of gives us a good sense of community so um if you want to learn more about that you can go to makecreateclub.com and um hope you all can join us but uh shelby how you doing i'm doing all right i'm excited about today's episode it'll be fun i'm hoping you can see me because i keep watching my little upload thing on the side and (laughs) i'm going up and down pretty rapidly so You, but I'm here. You, you are going so. in and out. I can I can see you occasionally. Sometimes we get little stills of your little smile, and then you come back. Awesome. But we can I'll try and them. make sure I stay pretty posed during it, so we don't get any, <laughs> any stupid faces or no anything, bad frames, you know? right? <laughs> no bad frames. Uh, awesome. All right, so um, we have a couple of guests with us, and we're going to try to go through just some some kind of random questions. We're going to just we're going to go through some stuff here. And uh, whenever um, I, I'll kind of call on uh, each of you. We have Adam and Aaron here with us. Hey, Adam. Hey, Aaron. Um, and whenever we kind of go to them, we'll have them um, kind of ask their question and kind of participate a little bit in that um, in that response if they'd like. So um, let's uh, let let's dive in. Shelby, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's let's start. I'm gonna start with Aaron here. So, Aaron, let's go ahead and ask your first question. Sure. Um, what's the biggest challenge you had to overcome in your career? All right, here we go. We're really diving straight into it, huh? <laughs> um, let's see. Biggest challenge. Honestly, this is this is one of those things that I feel like at first everything seemed like such a big challenge. Um, I mean, the first challenge was like finishing college, <laughs> and then it was like, okay, now like getting into the industry. Honestly, I think that was probably the biggest challenge, and I say that because it, it is very much one of those things. Like once you get your foot in the door that's kind of 
It kind of is the hardest part. Everything beyond that. I'm not saying that's like the hardest challenge, but what I'm saying is like, it felt like the biggest one to overcome because everything else just seems so impossible until you finally get that chance to, to kind of be there. So, um, so my response there is, is getting that first, getting that first job. Cause it's, it's not that simple, right? Like you have to make sure that your portfolio is right. Make sure that you're building the right relationships. You have to make sure that I don't know, you're, you're presenting yourself well, interviewing well, and all of that stuff is so, so difficult right at the beginning because you just you just don't have a good frame of reference for for how it goes. But again, later on, like there's there's bigger challenges, but they they feel much more achievable because you've already achieved that other one, if that makes any sense. Um, Shelby, same question. Yeah, um, I think for me, in, in the wise words of Taylor Swift, haters gonna hate. Okay. <laughs> the player's going to play, but the haters are going to hate. And for me, I, um, I think like the biggest thing that I've overcome and it started when I was in college was just people telling me that my ideas were uninteresting, that I didn't think that, you know, they didn't like the way my voice was or voice. I don't mean this voice. Cause I, I can agree with that, but my artistic voice was, you know, not what they were looking for. And that, you know, what I really wanted to do and what I wanted to create, wanted to create wasn't worthwhile. Um, and I think for me, it was carving out a space for myself. And that was kind of the biggest thing to overcome was being able to say, hey, you know what? My ideas and my voice, they do matter. And like what I, what I want to create, that is important. So being able to carve out a space for myself, even if it was a little different. Right. I, I think a lot about... I think it's a really common thing that, that people have to face. I think some people have it worse than others, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes it's kind of the support system that you have around you is a challenge in itself. Some people have very supportive people around them. Some people mm-hmm. just have the least supportive, the opposite of supportive, basically. Um, I always think about like the story. I don't know how real this is, but like stories about like Lady Gaga, how... Mm. She says, like, well, I've heard stories about, like, how everyone in high school said that she'd never be anybody and nothing, whatever, all that stuff. And turns out to be this huge superstar. And I'm like, that's, I don't know. That's pretty cool. I I love that idea of, like, people hating you and you still just kind of stick into it and just being like, whatever. Like, you don't believe in me. That's totally fine. I'm just going to keep going. Because I believe in me. Right. I like that. And like a lot of that comes into of being able to like recognize, you know, is it criticism or is it hate? Right. Because don't listen to the hate. It's not the same. I oh, we can probably go on for this one for a little bit, but I think I think for, for both of us, I mean we're from the Midwest, different sides of the Midwest, but I think there's still kind of that common thing where this is not a traditional career for people in the Midwest. Um, I mean, probably for people anywhere, honestly, but I think for the Midwest specifically, we were supposed to work our fingernails off, basically have calloused hands and, you know, wake up at three 30 in the morning to start our work day and sweat all day. And, you know, that's kind of the, the life that we feel like we're supposed to have in, in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we say things like, oh, we want a creative career and like 
if you don't know anybody that's ever blazed this trail before, it's really, really hard. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of this, uh, I don't know if I want to go here, but I'm going to, um, it's kind of the same as like, it's really, really difficult to j- jump income classes, right? Hmm. It's it's kind of that same idea. It, it, maybe it is the same thing, but it's really hard to break through that sort of ceiling. Like if you're, you know, if you grow up with a family that you've, you know, lived in poverty, it's really, really hard to go to the next class up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think a lot of that is just support system. Whenever the support system's not there, it's just just even more difficult to be able to, to make those jumps. So I, that's why I, just, I have a lot of respect for people that, again, come from places that they shouldn't be doing this. Like, they, it shouldn't be possible for them to do what they're doing, but they still find a way, whether it's ignoring all the hate or whatever, and just, just going. But mm-hmm. yeah. All right. I love that. Great question, Aaron. Um, all right, Adam, let's go over to you question all right so the main gist of the question is basically how do you sort of well and what do you use most commonly across different projects that somebody should hope to master right good question so um now, let's keep in mind here that my response for this, um, I, I mean, I, I'm in After Effects quite a bit, but not nearly as much as I used to be. Like at this point now, I'm very much more focused on strategy, uh, business. Um, I'm focused on those things a lot more, but I still jump in occasionally. And if somebody's having problems with After Effects or Cinema 4D, like I'll still jump in and offer what I think is a solution. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes they look at me like I'm crazy. Um, but if I go back to some of those beginning stages, um, I, I don't think that After Effects is necessarily unique in this problem that I'm going to talk about. I think that it's it's something with all software, right? There's There's so many features and... It, just, it takes so much to be able to like master the software. And I, I think that sometimes people get caught up in that idea, like they have to become a master in the software. And I, I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, I think what's more important than focusing on the software, the tools, the features, is the story that we're trying to tell. How do we want to make people feel? Um, I know maybe that's a little bit of a cliche thing to say. But for me, that's that was the thing that I needed, particularly, like learning some of the software because it like I don't know, you can read through the manual of things and learn what everything does, and that's that's great. Like that's it's definitely helpful. But for me it was like, no no no, like here's the thing that I wanna do. Now let's figure out like okay, like I know how to do this, but I don't know how to do that. So then it starts with like this this long search on Google of like, hey, how to make something rotate in the Z-axis in After Effects, like just something like that. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you just have that piece of knowledge, right? Now, I also went to college and had several courses on learning After Effects. Um, 
it's tough for me to go back that far and remember all the details. That was probably 15, 15 years ago. Holy cow. That doesn't feel great. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that, that's 15 years ago when I, when I opened up. No, 18 years ago, whenever I opened up After Effects for the first time. Um, and there's there's been so many like really great plugins and features added along the way. There is a part of me, though, that almost feels like it's all a trap, right? Um, because, there, I mean, I'm not, not trying to take anything away from anybody, certainly. It is a complex software, and understanding that software takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of work and practice to be able to master a lot of those new things that come out. But to me, that's... How do I say this in a nice way? I almost feel like anybody can learn the software if they spend enough time. So what I'm always saying is like, what's the thing that makes you unique? And now how do you take that thing and then apply the software to that? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, such a, it's such a weird thing because it's, it's different for everybody and there's no like any one answer. I honestly don't know if this is answering your question right now, but you got me kind of fired up on this. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm always saying that where it's like, there's so many different ways to be able to complete something that you want to have happen. But that's, that's always my preference though, is to like, to type into Google, here is exactly what I want to happen. How do I need to do that? Like to be able to tell this story, I need to do this. And to do this, how do I do it? So that's that's very much something that led me to Cinema 4D. So like in college, I, I was I knew um, 3D Studio Max, but I kept asking for things in Google, and it would say in Cinema 4D there's a couple buttons, and I'm like, damn it! Like okay, well like clearly I need to learn this other software, not because I wanted to, because I felt like I I had to to do the thing that I wanted to do to be able to tell this story how I wanted to. Um, does that? Does that answer your question even a little bit? You can be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. I guess the the lesson is that it really doesn't matter or whatever it is. Yeah, that's a good answer. So, right, right, and like you, see, there's so many people. Sorry, Shelby, I'll give you a second here. Um, there's so many people that kind of specialize in like little areas, and they. Mm-hmm. They do amazing work, and all they're doing is position, scale, rotation, and opacity. And literally, that's day one of After Effects. And it's yeah. like, wow. Like, so, like, to me, that's why I'm like, like that's, that's incredible that somebody that just knows so little about the software can make something so cool. Um, but there, there's also the people out there that can do some really, really technical stuff, which is also really cool. So... I, I guess to me, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't necessarily have to be a master of the software to be able to 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 use it and to be a professional, a working professional in the in the industry using it. Right. Right. Yeah, I know a guy who was a creative director in advertising. He he said to me, we were talking about it once. He said, start with the fundamentals, no matter what it is. So he wanted to go mm-hmm. from advertising to UX and started learning the fundamentals. So those four things right. you said is probably where it started. Right. Like. To me, that's that. What separates good from great people, and I, I've said this a billion times, but the thing that separates them 
is just a clear understanding of the fundamental basics of anything. Yep. Like we can we can apply that to sports, we can apply that to filmmaking. It's just it it is. It's the stuff that you learn in the first 2 weeks of going into something that it sounds so simple. You're like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, I get it." But over time you realize it's like, "Oh, maybe I didn't fully understand it then, but like now I'm starting to really grasp it." Like like for me, like when I'm looking through things, I'm, I'm looking for um, animation principles. Like, all right, like, did we follow all the rules here? Does this thing feel okay? Like, eh, the, the ease on this is wrong. The overshoot on this thing is a little off. Like, so like for me, I'm like, I've made a career out of understanding 12 simple principles. Um, and that's probably a lot more complicated than that. But to me, that's how it feels where I'm like, it's really just those 12 things I'm looking for as a creative director now, like on a daily basis. That's that's what I'm what I'm looking for. Shelby, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, there's there's always a phrase of you have to know the rules to break the rules. And I mean, when it comes to software is understanding your foundation and then learning how you can innovate or how you can change, how you can shift within that learning how to pivot, you know, learn how to make something your own after learning those fundamentals, I think. And like, I work all the time in um, software called Final Draft. And that's a screenwriting software. And it's like the number one, like this is like what every screenwriter should use. It's like there's a thousand things within that software when really all you I mean, you could do the same thing with a Word document, but you just want to be able to have the formatting in there. It's like you don't need all these extra tools, but if you can learn how to use them wisely, there you go. You've done something very different, very unique, but it's not necessary as long as you're doing something new. Right. The, the last thing I'll say here is um, something that I often think about is... Uh, again, I'm trying to phrase this the right way. I'm always asking myself, if this certain software didn't exist, would I be employed still? Mm-hmm. Am I dependent on this thing, like a software, any one software, to be able to stay employable? Yeah. And early on, it was kind of scary because I was like, oh, no, like if this didn't exist, I would my value would be zero. And again, I'm not saying that like if that's if that's you and you're fine with that, that's totally great. But for me, I was not okay with that at all. And I don't know. I guess overall in my life, I've just always found a way to make things. I don't really care what the format is. I'm always going to make things. Um, and that's why like anytime we do like our stop motion work, like I I love that because I'm like this has nothing to do with After Effects. Um, but I'm applying a lot of those same principles right from one thing to another and uh i don't know like i'm like stop motion will always exist it's existed for hundreds of years and not after effects will sure will exist in many many years from now nobody has anything to worry about (laughs) um but for me i just i guess i i love i i feel better just kind of exploring my own craft i suppose and just figuring out new ways to do things and Exploring, I suppose. Cool. All right. Let's go to the next question. Erin, back to you. Okay. Um, So another thing I was wondering is um, important skill sets to have to be successful. And I thought of this question because I don't know how I got to be watching it, but Arnold Schwarzenegger has a show on Netflix. And when I saw, I think... 
for him, he was able to visualize his goal. So I think it helped him, like when he was a bodybuilder, to have an idea of seeing himself as it. And I and I think right. that might be an important skill because I, to be honest, I think that's what I'm lacking right now. Like I can't see myself of what I want to be. But I was just curious if mm. you guys had any input on that. Oh, yes. Um, Shelby, you want to start this one? Sure. Um, I think about, this is weird, but I think a lot about manifestation and especially, I mean, like it's a very Gen Z thing, but like manifestation of, okay, if I think about this and I claim it into my life, I'll have it. Right. Which it seems like a silly thing, but if you do, I mean, if you picture yourself as an animator or as a writer or, you know, winning this, you know, like being able to like be successful, you know, it, it becomes a lot more achievable because you've put it in place. Because once you've pictured that, that is now your goal. You see yourself there. You've put yourself in that position. And now how can you just work on the little things to be able to work up to that? Because there's a million different ways that you can get there. And there are a million different skill sets that you could have to be able to make it to that point. But if you're able to see yourself in that position, you get a much clearer line of how you need to get there because you have a clear goal and a clear outcome. I, I don't know. Matt, you go ahead and help on that. Yeah, I. First of all, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is an incredible person. His story is one of my absolute favorites. Um, I I believe that. I think there's there's a couple things there, but I think the biggest thing is discipline. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a more disciplined person in this entire world than him. And. It's interesting that he started off as as a bodybuilder because I think that's one of the hardest things, especially in this world, to become disciplined at is taking care of your own body and your own health. Um, I mean, like I I I go running twice a week, but I eat like garbage. So like I can I can do some of that, but I just it's just I don't know people that can just completely focus on themselves like that. Like, I think is just really incredible. It's that one hundred percent commitment. Right. And like, I, I think with him, it's like, it's almost like forcing things into existence. When, when you work that hard, it sounds cliche, but like when you work that hard, the world has a really, really hard time keeping something away from you. Mm-hmm. And to me, that that's, that's very much how I always look at it. It's like the will the will to want to do something like, yes, like we all like have dreams and we all want to do things, but with people like that, and I'm not trying to put myself in the same category as him, but like, this is something that I do too, is like every morning, it's like, what is it that I want right now? And it's not just, it's not waiting around for that thing to happen, which I think is what most people do when it comes to hopes and dreams is like, Oh, I hope I win the lottery someday. Um, I, I hope this happens. Like, no, no, no. For for me, I'm like, I I take it as a responsibility. Like, anything that gets in my way is my fault. So it's like, like the only thing in my way is me. And I will do whatever it takes to, to move all of those objects that are in front of me. I often don't talk like this because I, I don't... It's not always the healthiest uh, method... I suppose, 
Um, not saying that I'll work 24 hours a day, but it's something that I, I mean, I think about this stuff much more than I think is probably healthy. Um, I, you know, I try to keep a balance of family and, and work stuff, you know, but, um, anytime that, that I personally run into any struggles, it's like, no, no, no. Like that's, it's not just something that like, it's just a problem we have to deal with. It's like, let's figure this, this out. And like, it's, it's on me. Like, let's, let's go, let's do it. So I always like say, it's like, there's kind of the, the two different people. There's the people that, um, well, let's not say that. Let's say that there's, there's a certain kind of person in this world that if it was basketball, they want the ball with two seconds left on the clock. They want to be the one to take that shot because they can handle missing that shot, but they also want to put the whole team on their back to be able to make that shot. And I don't necessarily think it's a selfish thing. Uh, it, it could be, but that's, that's, how, that's what I always say to people. I'm like, I'm that person. I want the ball with two seconds left. Um, so I guess, you know, I say all that because that's, that's the skill set that I have found most important to me is just the will. And I, but I think it's different for everybody. Go ahead, Shelby. Yeah. I think for me, the skill set that's really helped me the most is my confidence. Um, cause I think it was something that like people tried to tear it down so much. It was like, okay, well I have no other choice than to be the most confident person in the room at all times. Cause yeah. you are a brand, you know, I mean, what you are presenting to the world, you are very branded. So if you are able to walk in with that confidence and you make it difficult for people to ignore you, they have to see you. They have to know that you're there. They have to acknowledge your presence because they don't have a choice. You have to make it where you have to get to the point, if you really want to be successful, where people can no longer ignore you. You're 100% right. The, the struggle there, there is this very, very thin line of coming off as a pompous jerk Yep. And actually, I don't want to say people buying into the confidence, but basically it's that. Like, you've kind of, yeah, you can have that confidence, but you better be able to prove that ability, right? You, you better be able to back it up. Because if you walk in that room and you have this false sense of confidence, um, or a false sense of humility, uh, even. Like, just you can have confidence and still have humility, right? But... Yeah. If you, yeah, if you walk in there and you're like, no, 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 it's got to be this because I know it has to be like this, like whatever, like nobody wants to work with you if that's the case. So I, I think for me, it's, it's been about reading as many books as I possibly could. I, I don't like reading, but I did it because I guess going back to what I was saying, the will is too great for me to not learn things. Like I'll literally do whatever, like, I don't know say whatever but like i'll learn whatever i need to um at the at, at a moment's notice like one day i felt like sorry i'm making this about me right now um like there's one day where i'm like okay i want to tell like better stories and i'm like i don't know like there's yeah you could be like okay well how do i tell better stories and like that that night i was like okay i need i need a book i need to learn this stuff i never learned it so i was like all right order two books have them overnighted and then I start tomorrow and I read through the whole book in like a day or two and it's like okay great like I know a little bit more but I still don't feel like I know everything so I, I guess I bring this up because like I feel like 
our two methods together, I think are really mm-hmm. important. Like that confidence comes from education and practice. Yeah. And if you, if you neglect that, then you just turn into a pompous jerk. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would completely agree. Do never slack off on your education. That's the biggest thing. Like put all of your time and effort into understanding it because I mean in, that doesn't mean that you have to go to a fancy school I mean I have you know two bachelors and an MFA you don't have to do that right I, I just like school but you can get books and you can you know go to go to groups go to community meetups you know being able to just surround yourself with other people because that's sometimes the best education in the world is just being around others who are already in it yeah make create club there it is Yep, community. <laughs> um, I mean, real quick here, Aaron, um, what I do think you this... think is the most important skill set? If you were, to, if you were to, I mean, it's your question, but I'm curious what yeah. your thoughts are on this. I think just not even like in life in general. I think resilience, just mm-hmm. because um, just living through so many different things. I mean, I'm more on the older side. So I think just throughout everything even happening and having a family and then living through COVID and then living through all like the ups and downs of a career, it's just the resilience, I guess, not to give up because I, you know, I see a lot of people that do sometimes you want to, um, but I guess you you just can't. (laughs) So I think people that don't can succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, let's see here. I might be going back to you here for another question, Aaron. Adam, do you have anything else? No, not right now. I think I can think of. Cool. All right. Put it in the chat if you think of something. Aaron, let's go to your next question. So I guess too, because you run a studio, how do you guys stay on top of trends to stay relevant in the industry? Because I, I did see things like a lot of times, you know, t- 2D is you know in trend and then it goes to 3d and all different things so i was wondering like um how you guys can stay on top of everything i think that's a good question um it's one that (sighs) this used to really concern me in the beginning because i was like these people are coming out with this really amazing stuff like how do you do that and i think over time maybe this sounds terrible over time I stopped paying so much attention to what everybody else is doing. And I mean, there's certainly times where I see something I'm like, Oh, that was a really cool transition. Like I'd love to be able to find a way to do that in something we're doing or like a a concept of like, like how this story structure kind of goes or something like that. Like I'll certainly steal from things all the time. Right. Um, but overall, um, I guess I aim to set the trends rather than follow them. And that, that sounds probably a little pretentious because I say that's the aim, right? That's not always what happens, but that's the aim. So for us, I think, honestly, I think that's another one of the traps is that like, if you were to constantly be paying attention to what the trends are, you're, you're spending a good chunk of your time consuming rather than creating and again it's a trap for sure because so many people will just 
I don't know. Like it's it's kind of, it's fulfilling when you go look and you curate some of the stuff that you love, right? It, it is a very important stage of being creative is curating what you do like. But a lot of times people fail to go to that next phase of like, okay, now I got to make stuff. They get stuck in this world because it's a little bit easy, but it's it's got to be applied. So, um, so I guess the, the short answer is I I don't I don't pay a whole lot of attention to that stuff. What I what I what I pay attention to more is probably understanding where people where other people are consuming content. Um, where. What, what would be most effective? I pay attention to data and analytics um, because I want to make sure that whatever we're making, no matter what that style or whatever is, that it's something that's actually effective for people. And truthfully, we, we go through a process, we go through an art direction process on every single project that leads us into so many different places. And some of that stuff might be considered trendy and some of it is just like, hey, this just kind of happened but it's going to work. Like it would work to tell the story the way that we need to. Um, and honestly, when it comes to like 2d, 3d, one of the big differences there is honestly budget. So whenever the budgets are a little bit lower, we're kind of like, all right, well let's stick with something 2d. But if we have a little bit more to work with, then we're like, all right, we we've opened up the doors here. Uh, but even still, I'm looking at the story that we're telling. I'm looking at the brands that we're working with. To, to determine what makes the most sense for the story that we're telling and for the brand that we're making it for. Um, yeah, does that answer your, your question? Uh, Shelby, any any additions to that? Yeah, I think um, it's something that I would be cautious of in like looking at trends is to just not get watered down too much in your style and what you want to create. Like, don't let it influence you too much. Um, and that's coming from someone who consumes a lot of content, a lot of media, but also creates a lot more than I consume. Um, so I think it's just understanding the balance and what works best for you. I think my balance is kind of like 30-70, 30% consumption, 70% creation, because that works for me. Interesting. And I think everyone's going to be a little different, but that makes me, you know, keeps me from being too watered down in what I'm consuming. Right. I, I feel like it needs to I feel like it needs to be at least 51% create. I think yeah. it, can be, it can be 49, 51, but I yeah. think that's when you start to get into trouble a little bit is whenever that consume gets, gets higher. If I was to put a number on that for myself, I don't know if I've ever thought about this before, but I would say it's probably like 55, 45, somewhere around there. It's not, it's not amazing. Like there's some days where, or sometimes where it's like, 100 zero like <laughs> like i just want to make stuff i don't care what anybody else is doing like i'm just gonna go yep. um but i don't know like again my role on the team is a little bit different these days so i usually go into that consume period like before we start working with a client or be like as we're doing discovery that's that those are the biggest times for me it's like whenever i'm just trying to understand mm -hmm. a brand like I'll I'll go one hundred zero on the consume side for a few days, so that I can start putting ideas together as far as the strategy goes. But then it's like, all right, let's let's flip that now. Um. Yeah. Cool. Any uh, did that make sense? Is that good, Aaron? You happy with that response? 
Yeah, that makes sense. I guess to play on that, how important do you think it is to develop your own unique style? There's always a lot of debate between a generalist or specialist or niching down your market. And then, you know, it is true, like, as you ha- everyone has their own personality anyway. So as you create more, it just, you develop, you naturally develop a style. But I don't know what's more valuable to someone, someone that can do, like, multiple styles or someone that's, like, known for something. All right. This is, this is interesting. So when it comes to an individual, if, if an individual specializes in a certain style, a couple things happen. One is that they focus very, very narrowly on this one thing, and they get really, really good at that one thing. And since they are really good at that one thing, they are considered an expert in the industry at this one thing. And because they are that, they all of a sudden get paid more money. But they're not needed nearly as often. Right? So that's that's the life of a, a specialist when it comes to they found a style and this is it. Now, the, the fun thing about our team at Made By Things is... We have a bunch of specialists that are kind of forced to uh, stir the pot with (laughs) other people that specialize in other things. So as a creative director, that's what's really fun for me is, you know, again, I'm trying to understand, like, what makes the most sense for the brand, all that stuff. But I'm also looking at my team that I have and saying, like, okay, like they would actually be really good or they've been saying that they want to do more 3d stuff. Like this would be a good opportunity for them. Um, or like, okay, can we take Melissa's style and mix that a little bit with what Corey's doing and have Colin do some animation with it? Like we can do those kinds of things. So as a, as a team, it opens things up pretty substantially. And then by doing that, we've sort of created another style that now I don't believe that we have a style, but I've, gotten many messages from people saying like love the style of all your videos i'm like really like (laughs) i feel like we're intentionally not trying to put a style together um but i think by just no matter what you're always going to have something so i don't know what do you think shelby yeah i think this is i know this is interesting because like i feel like i have a style but i also like push back against it all the time um and i think that's part of it is like understanding kind of what you create and why you make it, but being able to, and being willing to kind of ask yourself questions about it and push it further. Um, Cause it'll allow you to pivot a little bit easier and to be able to jump into other things. You know, if, if you are working on 2d, don't be afraid of maybe moving over into a 3d space and understanding that because it could help you in, in your own style and what you're best at. I think there's a little bit of a fear that if you become too generalized, you know, your your specialty will kind of become watered down in some way. But that, that's not necessarily true. True. Being able to learn, you know, as much as you can can really help you develop what you're best at. Right. Uh, so answering that question specifically for you, Aaron. So you're really into music. There was another category. I can't remember. What was the other category? Um, well, I guess you could say horror. But <laughs> right there it is. I have a very niche style, and to be honest, it. So when I worked in fashion, I worked for men's, and I think because I was known 
for the way I dressed and looked, it was very hard for people to see past it to go into women's. So I, I'm just wondering, I mean, fashion is a little different than the motion design community and other creative industries, but I feel like that could kind of be the same. Like if someone style, they might not want them to do something else just based on like what they, you know, what their personality or something. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, would you rather stick to certain genres or niches or would you rather be the kind of person that can do anything? You know, at this point, I think of my life, it's very hard for me not to be myself and do what I like. Right. So at right. this point, I think I inevitably, I guess, have niched myself in that just that creatively. But I guess it's just trying to market that in right. a very different, I feel like it's not very broad. It's a very specific right. market. I think that's the thing is like when we, when we talk about like specialization or style, that can mean a lot of different things. Um, it could mean a certain target audience. It could mean like an actual like medium in which you're producing things in. Um, it could be genres. Um, so I think that, that if I was you, that's the first place that I'd be looking at. When you can narrow down your audience to really specific people, your marketing gets way easier to be able to do. Because now you're not trying to focus on making everybody happy. You're just focusing on one specific subse subsection of your audience that's like, all right, like I am making, I make stuff for you. So like if you were um, a designer for energy drinks that most of them do, but that support extreme sports, like, okay, well, that's really, really narrow. And if you can prove with your portfolio that you can, you understand this industry and that you can create things that, that their audiences enjoy, well, it kind of makes you the go-to person for any time they need something, right? Design-wise, right? So I think, I think that's the rule here that kind of still applies. It's why a lot of... So as companies, they try to specialize in certain industries because, again, the more they understand about that industry, the smarter they can be. So doing animation for financial companies is different than doing animation for healthcare or for older audiences versus kids. Like for us at Made by Things, like we kind of do a variety of things. We don't really specialize that much. And honestly, I feel like that's... I feel like it would be better in most cases to just, if we did specialize in an area, then we know exactly who our target audience is. Like we have a pretty good idea right now. Um, but just the more that you can sell to one person, the, the easier it becomes. Like you get to learn more about that person, really devote yourself. You can get a book that's like, you know, about that target audience and you can read that thing. Whereas like, if you were to create for a general audience, you're like, okay, where do I even start? Um, but like, again, if you were like making, if you're making content for kids, I guarantee you there's books out there. That's like psychology of children and content or something. Mm -hmm. So 
that's what I like about the idea of sort of specializing in, we'll say, a, a style. But again, the thing that I don't like about it is it's a little bit harder to stay busy unless you just go and work at whatever company full time as a freelancer or something like that. So that's why I always kind of warn people with, it's like, yeah, the more you specialize, yeah, you get to charge more, but you might only work one week out of, out of the month. And maybe that's exactly what you want. (laughs) Uh, But maybe it actually does more harm than good. You don't really know until you try it, right? Like that's, that's one of those things where you kind of have to just go into it and see what happens and not be afraid to iterate on whatever your own personal marketing process is and who your audience is. All right, let's, uh, how much time we got left in here? We have a few more minutes. Let's, uh, Aaron, let's go back to you for another question. <laughs> um, so this one, how do you find managing a team and getting new clients? Since you were what's, you know, creative and doing your own thing, and now it's almost like, you know, a doer versus a manager. Mm-hmm type of thing and how you keep on track of like, you know, making sure your team's busy and trying to get new work. And if there isn't new work, how do you manage that? You are full of just big questions today. (laughs) I love this. Um, Let's see. Um, One of the most helpful things that I did uh, within the last couple of years, as the team has gotten a little bit bigger, I, I realized that I was really spreading myself way too thin. I was trying to do way too many things. I, I felt this way even whenever it was just a two-person team. Honestly, I was like, okay, I shouldn't be doing this, 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 and this. Like, I, I'm doing them, and I don't feel horrible doing it. But I came to the realization that I was like, okay, I'm not able to give these things as much time as they need to be effective. So things like marketing and sales, business development. I'm like, I'm able to spend an hour, like at at this time when I was just a two person team, I'm like, okay, I'm spending like 25 to 30 hours a week in actual production and maybe an hour or two every week with business development. Maybe in most cases, probably not though, because I was just too busy. So I'd say the best thing that I did was to create this sort of org chart If anybody doesn't know what an org chart is, basically more common in big corporate settings where how the business is structured organizationally. So yeah, you have your CEO at the top and then you have your human resources, your accounting, your production, uh, your um, marketing. Did I say marketing? Whatever. You get the idea. So like there's, there's all these departments in a bigger company and it's that way for a reason, right? Like... We already know how to successfully run businesses by having good amount of organization between them and making sure that there's good people in all of those positions. It's really that simple, right? I mean, obviously it's a lot harder to practice than it is to just come up with in theory. But so for me, it wasn't until I wrote that down where I saw like, okay, this is the problem. I am doing 14 different things. Like I did, I honestly had no idea I was doing so many things until I drew out this chart and I still have it up for everybody on the team to be able to go to and look at it at any point for reference. Um, but I just, I had, I had no idea until I visualized it 
all of the different things that I was doing. And at that point, what I did was I realized I needed to start documenting how I'm doing all these things or how I want all these things to be done. If I had a full-time person at each one of these positions, how would I do that? How, yeah, how would it, how would it work? So one by one, it was, I mean, at, at this point I had just one animator on the team. So at that point I was like, well, I need a project manager. Like I'm spending so much of my time just trying to manage the damn project. Um, obviously the money has to be there. You can't just say, well, I guess I'm just hiring more people. So like there is that, a process to be able to do that and making sure again, that, that money is there to be able to hire somebody. Um, so hired a project manager and then I was like, okay, well now with a project manager, they're able to like, we're able to, as a company, take on more projects. Like this project manager can take on three to five projects at any given point. So we were able to start saying yes more often. And then initially we started working with other like freelance animators to, cause we only had one animator at that point. And then I realized I'm like, I'm keeping a contractor busy for six months. We need to hire somebody. <laughs> so it, it's kind of using that pattern to keep, keep building the team up. Right. And each time we hire, I'm staring at this org chart, trying to figure out like, okay, what, what would reduce my time or what would give me some of my time back? And like this person might not be able to step in and do better than me initially, but if I documented things correctly and give the proper training, then they're going to be kick-ass in no time. Shelby's a perfect example um, where you know, I'd spend a little over a year now, Shelby, you on the team, mm-hmm. yep. where it was like, all right, at first you you understood, I mean, it's not like you had no experience, right? You had some experience for sure, mm-hmm. but you you had no idea how I wanted things to be done. Yeah. And that's not always the most important thing. I'll certainly say that right now. But if it's important to me, it's because I have proven it to work before, or I've seen it proven to be working. Like there's times where I'm like, I usually do this, but I don't know if it's actually working. Um, so I, I would say, I mean, Shelby with you is like, between four and six months in where it was like, okay, now you're starting to like do more. Like you're trying, you're finding new things that I was never even able to get to, Mm -hmm. um, and able to just bring more to that position as a whole. So to me, again, as far as building a team goes, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, one of my primary jobs now is marketing and business development. So business development, it's, it's tricky. Like the, I don't know. It's not always the easiest thing, honestly, June, I mean, May, June, July, those are usually pretty difficult months where you're spinning your wheels, you're working your ass off, but nothing's happening. (laughs) Um, so that's why I went to the zoo this morning. I went to the zoo this morning, Shelby, in case you're wondering. (laughs) I was wondering where you were. (laughs) Um, it's definitely, (laughs) um, but it's kind of one of those things where like sometimes you need to back off a little bit. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into that too much. Um, so yeah, to me, I'm, I'm now able to focus more on those kinds of things and figuring out strategies specifically for that. I'm able to kind of be more of a CEO of the company, right? And it sounds really pretentious saying a CEO in a small 10-person company, but um, that's very much how I view my role, whereas like I'm the manager of all of these departments 
so as long as these departments are all working together, then everything is is working. Um, let's see. So that covers the the clients um, managing the the team itself right now. Um, I personally get a lot of fulfillment out of just seeing the growth out of everybody. I mean, like I was even saying with Shelby over like this first four to six months, it's like, oh, wow. Like when you realize somebody's doing a better job than you ever did, that's pretty damn rewarding. Like that's really cool with, with being able to grow the, the team like that. Um, does that answer your question? That was a lot. Sorry. No, that makes, that makes sense. Cool. It's it's very much a slow process. Like I remember what it felt like looking at other people that had exactly what I wanted when it was just me and I'm like, "Damn it, like how did they do that?" And the truth is there's no secret to it. It's 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 just showing up every day. It's going back to what we we're talking about before, like when you have the will to create something, to make something happen and to not give up whenever mistakes happen. You just you find a way to go one step at a time. Like, it's honestly crazy for me to look back now and just, I don't know, like, we have our Monday meetings, just like, holy cow, like, there's there's people here. Um, Like, it's really weird to, like, talk about Made by Things as a team rather than, like, just me as just an individual still. I mean, it's been, like, four or five years, but it's still strange. I don't know. But it's fun. A lot more fun than it used to be. I can say that much. All right, let's see if we can sneak one more question in here real quick. Okay, which is perfect because I think it's my last one. Um, what advice? Yeah, Shelby, you go first. I would say do it every single day. Make something every day. Work on your business every day, even if it's small, even if it's like a Sunday afternoon and you just need to write a few words down. Do something every day because it gets you in the motion. It gets you in it. You're always thinking about it in some little aspect, even if it's in the corner of your mind. Just work on it every single day. I like that answer. I'm going to cheat and say the same thing. Cool. Um, (laughs) That was So for me, one of the things that I found to be one of the biggest helps was actually doing an everyday project. So making something every day for 100 days. Now, at that point, I had one kid, I think, maybe two. I can't remember specifically. I think I actually had two kids at this point. And for me, I could just feel myself like not being able to do. I wasn't able to work as much as I used to. Right. Um, so I kind of came up with the idea and this was something that I've presented to my wife because I was like this is something that's going to take all of us to be able to do but like I want to commit to making something every single day for 100 days um my wife generally is just like okay you think that's what you need to do like that sounds crazy but go ahead (laughs) um so every single day every morning I mean during during the work week it was easier than the weekends obviously but there's times where we're traveling and whatnot So for me, I was like, all right, well, I wanted to do a hand-drawn animation every single day for 100 days. And it was really, really hard. Like, like doing the actual animation was was the easy part. It was carving the time out of everything else to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but that once I got a hundred days into that, it was like, that was probably one of the greatest accomplishments that I've ever done. And barely anybody knows about it. <laughs> um, like I'm totally fine with that, obviously. Um, but I just, to me on kind of my creative journey, that was the moment that I realized that I don't think that anything can truly stop me as long as I can get back into discipline over the course of a hundred days. Like there's, there's nothing that I, that sounds bad. Like there's, there's nothing that I don't feel like I can do. Right. I'm actually, I'm going to jump on that for just a moment as well. Um, cause I like what you said about, uh, the fact that like you did this for a hundred days straight. Right. And no one really knows about it. Something that I would say to, like, as advice is create, but you don't have to show everyone what you're making or tell anyone that you're doing it. Right. Um, Kurt Vonnegut, the writer, um, he, um, I have his book next to me right now. He, um, he, he wrote to this uh, classroom of like, I think they were like sixth graders or something, and they needed to write to like a famous writer. And he said, this is my advice. I want you all to go home tonight and write a poem. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to do anything. Go home, write a poem, and then rip it up. And don't share it with anyone and don't tell anyone that you even did it. Because that's yours. And you get to keep that forever. And no one else needs to be a part of it. I like that. I wish you would have let people come to class first and then tell them to rip it up, though. Because most kids are probably just like, okay <laughs> yeah prove that you did it <laughs> right 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 oh love that all right so uh aaron adam thank you both so much for for coming and participating in our first live sort of podcast a little bit weird but i think this is fun um and again for for everyone else like come come join us makecreateclub.com that's the last time i'll say that for a little while I think I plugged it enough, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Shelby, thank you as well for, for joining. And um, to everyone else, I love you. Bye. The Command Z Show is created by Made by Things. And if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.